Thanks for joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're currently in our series, Fresh Fruit, where we are diving into the fruit of the Spirit. As a believer, the fruit of the Spirit should be coming out of our lives. It should be shown in all that we say and do. Just as when you see an apple tree, you see apples on it. As a Christian, others should see you and see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. They should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They should see Jesus in us. Our vertical relationship with God must be lived out in our horizontal relationships with others. So let's jump in together to this week's message of fresh fruit. We're so glad you're here. So self-control is not for the faint of heart. Hence why I have brought a basket of goodies on the stage today to tempt you during this sermon, okay? I mean, what is, is more tempting than realizing I, I probably should exercise some self-control right now, but the pastor is holding a box of Girl Scout cookies out of season, by the way. And you're wondering, how did he get those? See, we're smart. We order for an entire year. And uh, so that way you have to pace yourself throughout the course of the year. Or how about these, these limited edition for a very limited run, these Chips Ahoy Chewy Cookies with Reese's Peanut Butter Cups inside of them. And so I'm just going to leave this right here during my entire message to remind you about the importance of self-control. Okay, the importance of not just, you know, going and just emphatically saying, I've got to have that. But all joking aside... I think a lot of us hear the word self-control, and all we ever think of is, I shouldn't eat 10 s'mores, five would have been enough. Or maybe I won't do two sleeves of Oreos, I'll just do one sleeve of Oreos. And when I were to ask you, what is self-control? Sometimes that's the kind of responses that you'll give. You'll say, I'll just do one bowl of cereal instead of two bowls of cereal. And obviously that takes some self-control to be able to make those kinds of decisions. But when you go to Scripture... And when you look at this fruit of the Spirit self-control that we're going to be camping out in today, is it entirely possible that God has something a little bit bigger in store for us than just saying, don't eat that or eat that? And the reality is, yes. We're camping out today with the conclusion of this series called Fresh Fruit, where we're unpacking week after week these fruit of the Spirit. And today is no exception in that this fruit of the Spirit self-control is not something that is easy for us to grow in. In fact, all of the fruit of the Spirit do not come to us naturally. Why? Because we naturally want to go our own way. I don't naturally want to live a self-controlled life. I naturally want to live a life that's all about me. I want to feel however I want to feel and respond however I want to respond in those moments. But the reality is, if we work at it, And if we pray, and if we commit our life to say, I want to look more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world, then these fruit of the Spirit start to grow in our life and start to be evidenced in our life. Now, I've made this comment a few times throughout this sermon series. It's very important for us because it's a very clear distinction. Sometimes we will refer to these as the fruits, plural, of the Spirit. But these are not fruits of the Spirit because if I put an S on the end of the word fruits, then it would allude to the fact that some of these I can choose to opt out of if I want to. Because it's multiple fruits. But in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, which we're going to read here in just a minute, you will see that these are about the fruit, singular. All of these things are to be growing in my life. Meaning that if patience doesn't come naturally to me, I don't get a pass. If kindness may not come naturally to me, I don't get to opt out of that. Or if today self-control is nowhere on my radar, that doesn't mean that I just get to say, well, I'm excelling in the other 
five fruits or the other six fruits of the Spirit, and therefore do I really need this one? What God is trying to show us is that a life that is marked by a relationship with Jesus Christ will be growing in all of these fruit, including self-control. For those of you who are with us for the very first time today, a special welcome to you. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming and checking out Rolling Hills Community Church or coming with a family member today. And I encourage you to just open your heart and your mind to what it is that God wants to teach you today. Because for the last few weeks, we've been looking week by week at these fruit of the Spirit. But today, you're going to kind of get an overview of all of them because they all kind of have this common theme that I have to look more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world. And to grow in a fruit of the Spirit is to grow in becoming who Christ has made me to be. So in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, which you're going to see here on the screen, you can hop on a mobile device and follow along as well. Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and against such things there is no law. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for every person you've assembled together today. And I pray, God, that in our time together, we would be encouraged, we would be challenged, that we would live a life that is reflective of what you want to do in our hearts as we invite you in. God, you are welcome here. We know that you are here. So change us, God. Change our hearts. Change us from the inside out to conform us to be more and more like you, to grow in these fruit of the Spirit and not the fruit of the world. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do today, and we just pray that we would decrease and that you would increase in this place and accomplish what it is that you desire to accomplish, and it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. So one of our challenges with a fruit of self-control is that this fruit carries a connotation that none of the other fruit of the Spirit carries. Because most of the fruit of the Spirit, be it love, patience, kindness, gentleness, whatever the case might be, when you hear those words, you realize to grow in that fruit of the Spirit means that there's something that I have to start doing. I, I, I grow towards love, or I become more kind, or I bring more gentleness, or I show patience in a season that I don't want to show patience. And then we conclude today with self-control, and you hear the word self-control, and you realize out of the gate, this fruit of the Spirit is not about necessarily adding something into my life but what am I going to take out of my life? What am I going to stop doing? And I think this is why this is challenging for us, because we don't like to be told to stop anything, do we? Most of you are okay if I give you a list of things for you to start doing, but it's fighting words when I say stop that. I mean, everyone looks forward to standing in front of a group of people to tell them everything they have to stop doing in their life. Not been looking forward to this one. But in reality, it's not just about stopping Although that, that's in essence what self-control is about. It's this ability to say, I want to grow to become more and more like Jesus, and there are some things in my life that I'm going to need to put pause on. Or I'm going to need to pull back and realize, you know what, I, I can't do that anymore. Or I've got to move away from that. And I, trust me on this. This is so much bigger than just saying, do I want small fries or supersized fries? You know, self-control is ordering the small fries. It's so much more complicated and so much more nuanced than that when we go look at Scripture. So big picture, if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. Self-control says that there are things in my life that need to be controlled. Simply put, it's a very simple statement, but self-control says there are things in my life that need to be controlled. What are those things in my life that need to be controlled? See, my life has to have checks and balances. Because there are going to be attitudes in my life, there's going to be actions in my life, there's going to be responses, there's going to be things that I'm going to want to say, 
And according to Scripture, there's a sinful nature that I have. And those sinful impulses in my life have to be controlled. Now, what is sin? Sin is simply put, anything that separates me from God. It are the, it's those things that separate me from that life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And sin entered the world through the quiet gardens of Eden. Adam and Eve were in a state of uh, perfection. God had created them. There was no sin in the world. And so they tried to become like God and go against God's plan. And sin entered the world. And we now continue to woefully fall short because of the sin nature that we have. And because of our sin, we need a Savior. And that's why God sent Jesus, to save us from our sins. Now, who is a sinner? You're welcome, me and you. All of us have sin in our life. I mean, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, meaning there's a standard that God had for our life. And because of sin, we fall short. So we're all broken. We're all in need of self-control because by definition, self-control is that willingness in my life to control the desire of my sinful passions. Self-control is the willingness in my life to desire the control of sinful passions. So what are all the sinful passions that you and I have? Well, how much time do you have today? Pull up a chair. Everything from lust of the heart to pride to arrogance to gluttony to addictions to deceit to lying to whatever the case might be, any of those things that you and I can struggle with, unless we forget you struggle with something, I struggle with something, we all have things in our life that we're struggling through because we're all works in progress. That's why we need Jesus to change our lives. And all of those sinful impulses, if left to their own human devices, will move us further and further away from God. But as we grow closer to God, we grow in these fruit of the Spirit like self-control. So so self-control, as you see here on your notes, self-control is about moving away from whatever doesn't make me more and more like Christ. Self-control is all about moving away from whatever doesn't make me more and more like Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says to reject every kind of evil. So I'm to move away from those things in my life, to reject every kind of evil. 2 Timothy 1.7 says the Spirit of God doesn't make us timid, but rather gives us power and love and self-discipline. So what does the Holy Spirit do in my life? The Holy Spirit of God gives me the power and the love and the discipline in my life to say, I'm going to move away from those sinful impulses, and I'm going to move towards God to reject that evil and that sin. And that's hard to do. If you've ever tried to kick an addiction in your own power, how successful were you in that? Probably not very. If you've ever tried in your own power to do something that only God can do, and you think you can muster up the courage and you can muster up the strength to do that, you probably continue to fall flat on your face every time because it's only with God that you're able to move forward through the sinful impulses of your life. And I get that that's scary, and I get that that's hard work, and that that's not easy. But see, the Spirit of God, according to 2 Timothy, did not give us a spirit of timidity, didn't give us a spirit of fear. We don't have to live life in fear, but we know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, growing in the Holy Spirit, these Holy Spirit fruit growing in our life, like self-control or patience or love, Those things make us more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world. And so can you do that in your own power? You can't. That's why we need Jesus now more than ever. Now, if I were to give you a video camera or even take your phone and you were to go out on the street today at lunch and just ask people, what do they think about self-control? You know, hey, what do you think about self-control? Our church is doing a sermon series on fruit of the Spirit, and the pastor was talking about self-control today. What do you think about self-control? 
I think that this is one of the, the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know if they would even refer to it as a fruit of the Spirit, but the concept of self-control is pretty welcome in society right now. I mean, we celebrate, you know, people who have discipline, and we celebrate people who have self-control, and we look at it as something that's very, very admirable. Even if we don't look at it in a spiritual realm, I mean, we live in a culture where people would say, you know, working out is, is good to do, and you celebrate that if you, you know, watch what you eat or meal plan or count calories or do this three times a week or that five times a week, whatever the case might be. You build accountability around those things. I think most of culture would celebrate that. And they would say, that's disciplined living. And to be disciplined is to be celebrated. If you have kids that play sports, then you are disciplined to that. And it sometimes goes beyond discipline and it maybe even dictates your schedule to some degree, but you're all in and, and you do it and you make the practices and you've paid the fees and all those kinds of things that make that a reality. You don't miss games. Why? Because you're disciplined in that area. You're showing self-control in those areas. These food items that I have up here, there are times when I'm able to shut the pantry and just walk away. And there's times that I'm not able to. But those moments doesn't it feel great? There's, there's wind in your sails when you walk away and realize, I could have had two packages of those cookies, but I only had one today. So, you know, somebody give me a gold star. It's those moments when you exercise that discipline. So the struggle isn't really whether we value self-control, because I think from a cultural perspective, self-control is of really high value. The more pressing question, though, is do I value self-control in the things that really matter? Do I look at self-control from a spiritual realm? Or do I only think about self-control from stop this or don't do that? Do I have a desire in my life to move away from sin and to build guardrails into my life, to exercise self-control so that my life is pure and that my life is holy and that my life is clean? Or does my discipline stop at just I'm not going to do that? See, to grow in self-control, I have to have some habits that change. Some relationships are going to have to change. Some behaviors are going to have to change. There's undoubtedly some goals in my life that are going to have to change. Probably some expectations in my life that are going to have to change. There's things that I'm going to have to stop doing. But there's also things I'm going to have to start doing. I want you to hear this this morning. See, self-control always involves a yes, and self-control always involves a no. (laughs) If I want to grow in self-control, self-control always involves a yes, And it always involves a no, because to grow in self-control, it's really easy for us to think, well, there's just things that I have to say no to. But every time you say no to something in your life, you've got to replace that with a yes. And vice versa, everything that you say yes to inadvertently means there's something that you're saying no to in that moment. If you want a richer devotional life, there might be a yes that needs to be said to more devotional reading and a no to Netflix. I mean, that's just the reality. If I'm going to say yes to this, then I've got to find time in my schedule, which means I'm going to have to say no to something else. If I want to say yes to more peace in my life, then I'm going to have to say no to worry. And 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 I've got to not be prone to that worrisome living. If I want to say yes to rich community, and that's life-giving community and friendship, whatever the case might be, then I might have to say no to some unhealthy relationships. But it's only through the fruit of the Holy Spirit that I grow in that. No to sin and yes to holy living. I mean, look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God 
has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. See, what Titus tells us is that salvation is available to all people through the grace of God. And that grace of God teaches us to say no to worldly passions and to live a life of self-control. But I don't have to remind you that just saying no is not enough. It's never enough just to say, I'm not going to do that. You have to be willing to follow suit and to say, no, it's not just about the statement that I make, but a realization that the grace of God teaches me to say no to ungodliness and to live an upright and self-controlled life. Lest we forget saying yes to the right things and no to the right things, knowing how to navigate all of this, it's something that every one of us are constantly struggling through. If you have lived a lot of life or you have lived a little life, all of us have this in common, this desire to say yes to the right things, but to internally be conflicted and tense to know, do I say no or do I say yes? In fact, this is something that even a lot of us, a lot of our kids struggle with. A lot of us remember these moments. We still struggle with it today. Just take a look at this just to see how common this is for all of us. I didn't know there was a hidden camera in my house. I mean, this is my house. Um, And maybe this is some of your homes. And I I laugh at this, but it's also kind of my life. Don't you love the kid just banging his head on the table? Like, what do I do in this moment? Do I go for the one marshmallow or do I wait for a few seconds so that I can get two? And we laugh at these silly little videos, but... I think we laugh at it because it's kind of a mirror that gets held up in front of our life. And we realize how hard self-control is for us. 
There's something that if I will wait, something even better is coming. But what do I do in those moments? And this was actually back in the 60s at Stanford University. They actually did this study before it was a funny YouTube video or viral video where they actually studied kids to see what happens if they exercise that self-control. And what they found is that a kid that was willing to wait, they followed them throughout the next several years of their life. They had higher SAT scores. They were actually in better shape overall and lived a much, quote unquote, happier life than the kids that kind of ate the marshmallow right out of the gate. Now, I'm not sure what to do with all that research, But I think that research would affirm what we know is to be true in the Bible. There's some value to self-control. Something happens in my heart. Something happens in my mind. Something happens in my life when I move towards a life of being more controlled. Now, what does the Bible say about self-control? The Bible doesn't promise us that your life is just going to be happier if you live with self-control. But what the Bible does remind us is that if you don't have self-control, you open yourself up to more of the attacks of the enemy. In fact, Commit this to memory today. A lack of self-control opens me up to the attacks of the enemy. A lack of self-control opens me up to the attacks of the enemy. Because if we're not quick to forget, or we are very quick to forget, I should say that there's a real enemy out there and that one of the enemy's goals, Satan, is to destroy your life. He wants to make your life miserable. He wants you to think that the things that you're dealing with right now, that nobody else is dealing with that. He wants you to think the sin that you're struggling through, that you are the only person in the 8 billion people on the globe that are dealing with what you're dealing with right now. And you know that's not true. You know the things that you're encountering. You know the things that need to be kind of addressed in your life, that you're not unique in that. Now, it's unique to you, but it's certainly not unique to the population as a whole. But what Satan does is he keeps you held captive in that sin and says, you better not share that with anyone because they're going to judge you. And you need to live a life of just misery and being stressed out and worried all the time because chaos is your plot in life. So what does self-control have to do with this? Well, look at what Proverbs 25, 28 says. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. I want you to imagine, if you will, kind of an old city. I mean, I'm back, back in the, you know, 100, 200 AD time frame, and you would have this city, and what was built around the walls of that city to keep the enemies out of that city, it was a rock wall, and it was a fortified wall. And everything that didn't need to be in the city was kept out of the city because of that wall. But the minute that those rocks start falling, all the enemies can come in. All the wild animals can come in. Everything that I'm trying to keep outside is now working its way inside. And the writer of Proverbs says that a person who lacks self-control is just like a city whose walls have been destroyed. Meaning everything that you're trying to keep out of your life is now working its way into your life. And without that barrier and without that protection our life is so vulnerable maybe you've never put two and two together before but if you're struggling with sinful passions or you're struggling with behaviors right now according to scripture there undoubtedly has to be a lack of self-control in some area in your life because your life is not protected by the holy spirit that inability to say no to the things that are god's best for me and there's things that are going to get in the way of that maybe it's margin maybe it's Um, schedule, maybe it's um, whatever the case might be, just uh, the pace that you're living. But at a base level, you and I can experience momentum and we can experience freedom in these areas. And we've got to realize what's always going to get in the way of self-control. In fact, the greatest barrier to self-control is self. (laughs) The greatest barrier to self-control is self. I mean, think about it. 
What prevents me from exercising self-control? It's me. What obstacle always rears its head when I'm trying to grow in self-control? It's not you. It's me. It's me. I'm the barrier. I mean, John 3.30 says that he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater and I must become less. But by a show of hands, is there anybody that really enjoys being less? Thank you for being honest today. I don't like to be less. I don't want to become less. I want to become more. I want to be better. I want to be the best. No one likes to become less. It's my prerogative to live how I want to live my life. If it makes me happy, it must be okay. If it brings me joy or happiness, then it must be okay. And see, that line of thought says you are the standard on all things in your life. But as I grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, I realize, no, I'm not the standard. God is the standard. And when God is the standard in my life, then I'm able to flee from all of those temptations and to flee from all of that sinful living. But when I set the rules and when I set the agenda and when I run the plays that I want to run, then I'm putting myself in a position that God never intended me to be. Several years ago, I was working at a summer camp, and uh, it was not uncommon after a day, a long day of camp. I mean, we'd work from 7 a.m. till 11 p.m. at night, and then after everything was done for the day, we'd all get in a 15-passenger van and head to Waffle House or IHOP. Do you guys remember those moments, to be young again? I mean, that would literally, I, would, I wouldn't even make it anymore if I tried to do that now, but like I loved that season of life, you know, where it's like you could just go nonstop, and, and you could, you know, kind of just burn the candle at both ends, literally. And so we had this one moment one night where we were, uh, we had left camp and I was driving the 15 passenger van. And so we went to where you naturally go at 1115 at night, Taco Bell. And so we're in the Taco Bell drive-thru to get some food. And there's a car in front of me and they order. And then I pull up to the drive-thru window and uh, nothing happens. You know, no one says anything. And so I wait a little bit and I kind of, you know, say, hey, we'd like to place an order. And a very rude, abrupt voice came through the speaker. We're closed. Like, well, it's like 11.17. It's a weird time to close. And I said, so exactly what time did you close? To which they replied, now. <laughs> and I thought, I could work here because I like that. I like you get to close whenever you want to close. The, the rules were set by the person on the headset. We decide we're done serving food. We're closed. And I thought, that's actually kind of an interesting parallel how I prefer to live my life. I set the agenda. I set the pace. We're closed. We're closed. And you can't do anything about it. Life gets hard. Too much is being asked of me. I don't want to do that anymore, so I'm out. I'm being forced to face maybe too many of my own struggles, too many of my, of my own uh, insecurities, and I'm going to have to reevaluate some of my priorities. That's not what I want to do. I'm out. Whereas a movement towards self-control says not only do you need to grow in those moments, but you need to welcome people into your life that will help you in those areas. Don't be a wall, a city that has its walls that are broken down, but rather be a person of strength who realizes that the people that God has brought into my life and the people that God can bring into my life if I welcome them will help me to not only become a stronger person, but my relationships will be stronger. See, I need people in my life so that I don't think life is all about me and that it's my own agenda and that I get what I want when I want it because I can't do this on my own. 
In fact, self-control rarely happens in isolation. Or if you're kind of done talking about self-control, you're like, I wish you'd move on to another topic, then just don't write self-control. Write patience rarely happens in isolation. (laughs) Take your pick of the fruit of the Spirit. Love rarely happens in isolation. Gentleness rarely happens in isolation. Kindness rarely happens in isolation. I mean, patience especially never happens in isolation. Why? Because there's not people involved. I mean, and what causes us to be impatient? You. Me. These fruit of the Spirit don't grow in our life in an isolated state. You need people around you. You need people to know you, and you need to know them. You need people to know what's going on in your life. And you need to know what's going on in other people's life. You need people in your life who are not afraid to ask you how things are going in your life. And they honestly want the legitimate, true answer. This is why what you're doing today is important. It's why being with other people is of the utmost importance. See, because without people, it's easy for you and I to start kind of making really bad choices. And there's no one around us that helps course correct us in the choices that we're making. Or there's no one around us that gives us that God-honoring encouragement or that life-giving encouragement or perhaps that gentle rebuke that maybe you should think about this and not so much about that. Or maybe there's people in your life that will say, you know what, I love you, and so I'm going to tell you the truth, even if it might be hard for you to hear. I believe that you can do better, and I'm here to walk with you and encourage you through this season ahead. Just like Proverbs 1 Peter 5, 8 affirms the same truth. Be alert and of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's certainly worth restating, but self-control is this barrier around my life. It's a protection around my life that keeps me protected from the roaring lion who looks for someone to devour. God has provided protection and he's brought other people into my life to help me as well. So as we conclude our series today, I can't think of a better challenge than for us to go from this place today and find people or be that person who helps those around them not live in isolation, to realize that I'm never going to grow in these areas if I just always am by myself to be the person who helps someone else grow in kindness, to grow in love, to grow in patience, or to grow in self-control. And I believe if we boldly step into people's lives and we're there for them, that amazing, radical things can happen in the lives of other people. Dare I say, there are probably some people in your life right now, they are waiting on an invitation from you. They're waiting on an invitation from you to be involved in their life. They're hungry for relationships. They're hungry for connection. They're hungry for community. They're hungry to know that they don't have to be alone through the things that they're going through. And it's entirely possible that God has placed you into their lives for that particular reason. But it's not about just going to other people. It's also about saying yes to the invitations that come your way and saying, you know what, I want people to be involved in my life as well. I'm going to put myself out there even if it makes me really uncomfortable, or even if it makes me really, really nervous because I believe that God wants to meet me in that moment, to grow me in the fruit of the Spirit, to make me more and more like Him. I don't know about you, but I've certainly enjoyed this series. 
And I believe that undoubtedly the Lord wants us to grow in some area of the fruit of the Spirit. So how about today we make a commitment to do this, to say, God, I want more of you and less of me. I want more of you and I want less of me. Or, you know, or God, I want more of your plan and I want less of my plan. Or God, I want more of your agenda and I want less of my agenda. God, I want more of the fruit of the Spirit and I want less of the fruits of this world. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so that you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History and Parenting podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. We'll see you next time.